0: Let's get together, talk about the movies that we saw this week We'll have discussions, talk film news, we'll laugh a lot and act like geeks Sometimes we'll have a guest or two, sometimes it's just the two of us Let's
1: crack some jokes and tell some folks to come along and hang with us Mike and my go to
0: There are some who would have you believe that I am the villain of this year' podcast. It's Mike and Mike out to the movies. I'm Mike Smith, and joining me, as always, is a man who needs TP for his bunghole.
1: Mike <laughs> Tricia, <laughs> how you doing, Mike? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm glad that you got <laughs> the the Elvis reference in that I couldn't remember for the the uh, favorite <laughs> fake bands episode, but you got it in there this time. Good job. <laughs>
0: It's very important that uh, we get that in there, of course. Yes. Uh, yes, and of course, the reference you're referring to is the TP for your bunghole bit. Correct. Uh, <laughs> uh, what's going on, Mike? How you been? What's, been? what's been going on in the world of Mike Decretio?
1: Oh, you know, not a whole lot. Not a whole lot's uh, happening right now. It's still just summertime and the working and the and the, the normal times, you know? But it's it's noon on a Sunday when we're recording this, for me at least, so it feels yes. weird.
0: Yeah, it's uh, 10 a.m. on a Sunday for me uh, in Montana, which, uh, you know, I, I set an alarm last night for 9 a.m., and then I woke up at 9 a.m. this morning when my alarm went off. And I was like, why Why did I put an alarm on? Why did I set an alarm for this morning? And I, it took me a while to realize, like, oh, shit, we've got the podcast this morning. Yeah, oh, shit. <laughs> I've got to put together, like, some stuff. i got to, like, you know, look back at what I watched and... Oh, I had to do like all my prep within like the space of like an hour.
1: <laughs> oh, I but knew you
0: could do it. I, I did it. I pulled it together, and uh, that is what we are doing today. Uh, yeah, we're doing some discussions today. Just kind of a freewheeling discussions episode. Been a few weeks since we've done one of these, uh, where we're just going to kind of go back and uh, talk about some of the movies and TV shows that uh, we've watched recently. The last time we did discussions, it resulted in me talking about Triple R for like twenty minutes, which then led to a full-on Triple R episode later. Uh, so who knows? Maybe an Elvis review is down. <laughs> Uh, it's coming around the corner.
1: <laughs> don't hold your breath, is all I'll say. Yeah,
0: uh, we'll see what happens with that one. <laughs> uh, but all right, before we get into our discussions, got to tell you that all the theme songs you're going to hear this episode uh, were created by Kyle Cullen, who you can reach for your own theme songs at themes at gmail.com. Our logo was designed by Mac V, whose art you can find at Fearless Guard on Twitter. And if you ever want to contact us and respond to something we did in the show, uh, you can tweet at us at Mike and Mike Pod. And now, let's get into our discussion. Watch this. These are my
1: discussions.
0: Just when I thought I said all I could say, my buddy and I talk about movies we see. These are my discussion. There is so much to see, you and me. So we're going to talk about movies for our discussions. All right, it's time for some discussions. Here I'm Mike and Mike go to the movies. Mike, why don't you kick things off?
1: Um, sure I'll keep things I'll keep things uh, you know the kind of low-key Sunday vibe that we've got going and and I'll talk about a uh, reality survival show that my friends and I have been watching a bunch recently
0: you were telling me about this last week I can't remember if it was on the air or not
1: no yeah I think it was after we stopped recording um, okay but this is called alone and it is on the history channel and it is basically they just take 10 people or at least of the seasons we've watched I think the format kind of changes a little bit but if we watched the first three seasons so far where they just take ten people each season drop them in a remote place I think the first two seasons are somewhere in Vancouver Vancouver Island I think and then season three is Patagonia and they just leave them there and it's the last person left wins five hundred thousand dollars just go Hmm. good luck and they fly away in the helicopter and wave (laughs) Um, and it's sort of like Survivor Man style where like they have to film themselves they're given cameras and everything uh, and there's no there's no help basically they get a satellite phone that when they're ready to go whenever they're done they call it and they come get picked up and yeah it's basically it's it's the kind of perfect on in the background while you're working from home or just kind of like hanging out type show uh, we just get in the discord and we start watching it it's it's, it's it's the season the seasons I think are only like 10 or 13 episodes long they're pretty short so we've managed to get through three of them so far I think there's nine is the current one on air and it's okay. just on for free on History Channel's website like it's not on a streaming it's just on oh, like, wow. history.com or whatever and you go to shows the and, entire
0: series is just on the on their
1: website yeah yeah absolutely 100% wow. and it's nuts there's commercials but you know if you have ad blockers there's not commercials so <laughs> <laughs> so it's for free with no ads and it's great so ahoy matey! correct uh, <laughs> um and yeah, it's it's just nuts to watch these 10 people and the the like kind of thing is there's a pre-approved list of items basically, like you know, that that's kind of huge and they get to pick 10 items, any 10 items they want from that list to bring with them to help them survive. So we're always like, "Oh my god, why that guy like why would you bring that? What are you insane?" Like, you know, kind of like have, having that little bit of a fun like, you know, uh like armchair quarterback situation We're like, "Well, if I was in the wilderness, I would bring uh, as I say from my basement <laughs> while working from home, you know." Like, um, <laughs> all that stuff and yeah, it's you know the fun drama of people just going insane. The first season, the it's fifty six days uh, is the person who wins is the longest. And season three, it's in the mid eighties. I forget what how many, but that's like you know three months. It's with right. by yourself. They're not near the other ten people. They're separated by miles, so they're not they're just alone, uh, just going. So this show this show sounds like
0: the opposite of like Survivor. Or Correct. We're like yeah, Survivor. It's like a, a bunch of people all sticking together on an island. They all have to do like physical reality show challenges and stuff. This has none of
1: that. None of that. Zero percent. It is good luck. And they fly away and you're just a <laughs> they're just alone. There's no challenges or anything like that. There's no kind of organ or, there's no organized part of it other than like just whoever lasts the longest wins. Um so it adds it's it's like a like a the thinking man's survivor or something like that. I don't know. There's like a lot right. of a lot of moments of them, kind of the contestants, sort of like you know, opining to the camera, like, "Well, why am I here?" and like trying to get, like, glean some deeper spiritual meaning from this experience. Yeah, and we're all just like, "It's five hundred thousand dollars. Like, are you guys not allowed to say it's the money? Because it's the money. <laughs> like, that's all we would be talking about constantly. Is if I win this, I get five hundred thousand dollars. So yeah, I don't know, it's a fun, the fun little goofy show that we're just kind of like having fun. I think season four, it's um. It's pears. So we're very interested to see how that changes the dynamics and everything. Um, But yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty intense. And the people like the people lose, you know, I think the the guy that won, it's like 40 pounds. The guy lost, Uh, you know, because you're eating a fish for the whole day or whatever. <laughs> right. Some yeah. berries, So it's, yeah, it's a kind of intense show in that regard, but also it's fun to just kind of like have on in the background and every now and then pay attention to for 20 minutes and then go back to writing your dumb emails, you know? Uh, right. So yeah, that's that's Alone on, on the History Channel website. All right. Alone is the name of the show
0: and that's available on the History Channel. And I went to go see a new release last night. Uh, came out uh, a week ago, I guess at this point. And uh, the reactions to this movie have been all over the place. I mean, there's... Like I've seen people who absolutely love this movie, gave it five stars. I've seen people who absolutely hate this movie and gave it like half a star. You know, it's yeah, it's there's like no in between. It's either like a love or hate kind of thing, except for me, I guess. I think it's OK. Uh, and then, <laughs> and that movie is Elvis, uh, which is the new movie uh, directed by Baz Luhrmann, uh, which are you familiar with Baz Luhrmann at all, Mike?
1: Um, broadly in kind of like a cultural osmosis sense. I remember a great okay. Gatsby. I saw that in theaters. Uh
0: yes, I I saw Gatsby in theaters as well. Uh, he also directed Moulin Rouge. And uh, Romeo plus Juliet, the uh, DiCaprio one yes. uh, as well. Australia was a Baz Luhrmann movie, Strictly Ballroom. Uh, he also he also did uh, The Get Down on Netflix, which I've heard is pretty good. Oh, I didn't um, know that was
1: Baz. Luhrmann. Yeah,
0: yeah. He, he, I think he directed every episode of that show, or at least was a heavy hand in like creating it and producing it, or whatever. But uh, I will say, as far as Baz Luhrmann's films go, I'm not a big fan. <laughs> uh,
1: yes, correct. <laughs>
0: Uh, I I'm, I'm generally speaking, like, you know, it's, it's one of those weird things where when Elvis was coming out and I was seeing the trailers and stuff, I was talking to people about it and, uh, I kept saying, you know, like I kind of want to see it purely because I don't like Baz Luhrmann's movies all that much, but he has this like undeniable, like visual aesthetic that I feel like I need to go see. You know, like no matter what, like when he comes out with a new movie, I'm like, well, it's going to look incredible. <laughs> like it's right. going to look very good and it looks very distinctive. And so for that reason, I feel like I need to go see a new Baz Luhrmann movie. But whenever I see them, they are always so over edited, Like, there's so there's so much energy to them, and that can be good, but I feel like it's, like, too much energy. Mm-hmm. I feel like it needs to, like, dial it back a little bit. Talking to somebody uh, after Elvis, uh, they compared it to, like, the ro- the kind of short film you would see before getting onto a ride on a roller coaster or something. <laughs> oh, my God. And I think it's actually a pretty apt description. And the thing is, Elvis feels like that its entire runtime, and it's two hours and 40 minutes long. Oh,
1: my God.
0: <laughs> and at a certain point, you want to get off the ride, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, you want off Mr. Burns' Wild Ride.
0: <laughs> exactly, uh, so I saw Elvis uh, yesterday, and uh, I think there are some sequences in this movie that are really terrific. Some really great sequences. like The scene where Elvis first performs, like, for the first time, when you see him first perform, and uh, Colonel Tom Parker is watching him, and the entire crowd is, like, kind of staring at him in silence. And then, like, he starts performing, and, like, every woman in the crowd starts, like, losing control of themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's a movie that really captures teenage horniness in a way that, like, very few films can, okay, I think. Okay. Like, there's, you know, do you see women in the crowd, like, there's one woman who, like, lets out an involuntary scream and then, like, stops herself, and she's, like, the first person to ever scream at a concert. <laughs> yeah. You know? That kind of thing. Because I lose control over seeing, like, Elvis's pelvis uh, wiggling. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing, right? And so all that kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah, so that's pretty fun. Uh, all, all that kind of stuff. When it goes into that kind of category, it's pretty fun. But then there's just so much of it. And I think Austin Butler is very good as Elvis. I think Tom Hanks is given a wild performance uh, as Colonel Tom Parker, as you've seen in the trailers, I'm sure. <laughs>
1: He's the, he's the he's some might say he's the villain of the story.
0: Some might say, and uh, you know, I think watching the movie, I think it's hundred percent clear that yes, he is the villain of this story. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's it's it's a really weird performance from Tom Hanks, who I think most people kind of consider like oh, he's Tom Hanks, America's dad, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, the last few years he was Sully, he was Mister Rogers, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And to see him d- go full on like senior chewing villain mode in Elvis is kind of fun. It's it's pretty fun to see him uh, kind of in this role. So. Yeah, I I don't think Elvis is a particularly good movie. Uh, I think it's about on par with most of Baz Luhrmann's movies uh, in the sense that, like, I had to go see it even though I know I'm not a big fan of Baz Luhrmann because of just how visually distinct it is. And it very much is that, Uh, but it has some cool musical sequences. I think Austin Butler is good. Uh, And I think if you are attuned to the aesthetic of Baz Luhrmann, it's a movie that you'll probably enjoy. So there's that.
1: Okay. Yeah. I I wasn't, I don't know. This is one of those uh, movies that I saw the trailer for every time I went to see the movies for the last six months. Um, Yep. So I hate it, you know, (laughs) just like on that (laughs) principle, I'm so tired of this fucking trailer.
0: Yeah, there was, uh, you know, I'm very excited for Nope, but I've seen the trailer for Nope like every time I've seen a movie and, uh, to the point where like I was able to recite like the entire opening of the trailer for Nope when, like to my girlfriend when we were watching it
1: last time. What's a bad miracle? Do they have a word for that? Um, you know, (laughs) um, yeah, agreed. Um, so yeah, and, and I'm also somebody that doesn't particularly, uh, like jive with, uh like the Baz Luhrmann aesthetic or whatever. So like, yeah. and then also seeing mixed reviews. So I was like, yeah, I'll wait for this to be free and then I'll watch it at home, you know, which <laughs> maybe would hurt it even more seeing it in a big, huge, loud, crazy, uh, you know, theater would help it maybe, but I don't have an interest in it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I, it seemed like my audience was pretty cool on it. I, I will mm. say that there wasn't, wasn't people going crazy for it. I think, uh, I was in the bathroom right after and I heard somebody saying that like, oh man, you know, I kind of enjoyed it, but that last half hour really dragged. And then the, and the next guy was like, that, Those first two hours also really dragged. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> Damn. No like, no geez. no involuntary screaming from people in the in the uh, theater audience. There was not. There was not. Uh, <laughs>
0: but again, that that scene is really good in the movie. And there are a couple other scenes like it that I think are also mm-hmm. very good. And Austin Butler again, very good as Elvis. Uh you know, it's which is weird. I think it's got to be such a difficult performance to do because Elvis is such a larger than life persona. And so there are scenes in this movie where, you know, Elvis is just talking to his parents, right? And that kind of thing. Or he's like with his family and it, but he still sounds like Elvis. He's still looks like elvis yeah. so it's just like it's really weird
1: i saw i yeah. watched um i forgot i didn't put it down but uh because I, I didn't finish the whole movie but i started watching walk hard and i oh nice g- saw the jack white as elvis scene and i was like how could austin butler ever compete to, <laughs> <against> the, <laughs> like what's the point of making of doing this um right we've already achieved perfection you know yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um Yeah, and this is very much uh, Elvis needs to think about his whole life before he goes out there on that stage uh, <laughs> kind of situation. I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> but all right, so that is Elvis uh, the new Baz Luhrmann movie about the life of Elvis, uh, told through the perspective of Colonel Tom Parker, which is a weird choice also. Interesting. Um but uh, there you go. And then also I want to talk about another new release, uh that this one's direct to streaming, uh and it's a movie that uh, Mike didn't even realize existed until I mentioned that I was going to talk about it on this podcast. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> uh and that is Beavis and Butthead do the universe. So, Mike, are you, Are you? I mean, I think I talked about this uh, a while ago, but I watched Beavis and Butthead do America during the pandemic, and I think I talked about it on the podcast. Yeah. Um, so, I, I don't remember exactly, but Mike, are you a Beavis and Butthead fan at all?
1: Yeah, yeah, not Not in any kind of, like, serious fashion. I think we were a little too young when that was, like, on TV, like, the TV show was right. out. Um, right, right. But I've definitely seen Beavis and Butthead do America a couple times and enjoy it a lot. And I feel like Beavis and Butthead maybe got like, were they on like Adult Swim syndication or something like that? They were kind of around or.
0: It's possible. Yeah, that could be the thing. I mean, they were, it was MTV originally when they they aired. And I know uh, at some point they did like a new season of the show, like around like 2012 or something like that.
1: Mm, Okay. Yeah, I don't Um, remember. But yeah, like vaguely, yes, I'm a fan of. Beavis and Butthead, you know.
0: Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I, I will say. I mean, I, I like I have liked Beavis and Butthead, but like you said, we were both a little bit too young when the show was happening to really like kind of get into it, or or to be allowed to watch it. I think more yeah. really is <laughs> more really what it was. But I'm a huge fan of Mike Judge uh, and Mike Judge, who uh, you know d- created Beavis and Butthead, also created King of the Hill directed Office Space, Idiocracy, created Silicon Valley, which is a show I really like. And so now Paramount Plus has launched and they have are mining all of their old IP.
1: Yes, correct.
0: <laughs> is essentially what is happening. And as a result, uh, they recruited Mike Judge to make a new Beavis and Butthead movie. And so he didn't direct this, but he co-wrote it and of course returns as uh, you know both Beavis and Butthead. And it's called Beavis and Butthead, Do the Universe. And you know how we're getting into multiverse uh, cinema these days, oh, Mike? Oh, boy. What if Beavis and Butthead were- <laughs> What if there were alternate versions (laughs) of Beavis and Butthead? Uh, That's actually really only a minor part of the movie. But basically, the actual plot of the movie is that Beavis and Butthead, in the year 1998, get recruited into like the space camp. Uh, They go to space camp, and they end up uh, getting recruited by NASA to uh, go on a mission. And of course, things go terribly wrong. The entire time, they they don't realize they're going up into space to go on this mission to like put this loading dock on. Uh, They think they're going to score with uh, the woman astronaut who's who's in charge of the whole thing.
1: Yeah, sounds right
0: you know so classic peeves and Butthead scenario uh, and then when they're up there you know they you know fuck some stuff up and and she like jettisons them into space <laughs> and when when they get jettisoned into space they go through this black hole and when they emerge from the black hole they're in the year 2022 uh, so it went from 98 to 2022. They've jumped into our present day. And when they get to 2022, they barely realize that time has passed. They discover that they can pay with stuff. Like, they actually don't do enough with, like, the fact that they're in present day now, I think. They, like, kind of do a few quick jokes. Uh, there's one moment where they go to, like, a gender studies class, which is very fun mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that kind of thing. Um, but basically, they, they are still on their quest to score with the female astronaut who is now, like, the governor of Texas. And she is on. Is, she discovers that they are back on Earth and she has to. she's trying to kill them to, to avoid it getting out that she jettisoned them into space. Right. And so it's, you know, just classic Beavis and Butthead nonsense. Uh, there's some very funny moments in this movie. There's one, like, a line reading that, like, really made me laugh, uh, which is, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say what it is, uh, but there's a moment where, like, they're chasing after her and they're, like, they're sitting in a parked car and uh, Butthead's like, oh, man, we need to get a car. And Beavis is like, Butthead, we're in a car. It's like, oh, you really brought your A game today, Beavis. <laughs> Yeah. It's good stuff. I uh, <laughs> really enjoyed it. Uh, but then there's also like this alternate Beavis and Butthead from a different universe. They're the, they're the smart Beavis and smart Butthead. And also, if they don't go through this portal, the entire universe is going to be destroyed. So they have to go through this and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's fun. It's good stuff. Uh, the animation is pretty good and it's funny and it's Beavis and Butthead stuff. So yeah, Beavis and Butthead to the universe. Uh, it is on Paramount Plus right now.
1: Isn't 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 there a new or, uh, man, I can't remember. something. I remember people being very excited. I think it was the back catalog of episode it's of Beavis and Butthead are also on Paramount Plus, or are going I to believe? Be?
0: I believe at least some of them are. I haven't like gone into it, but I believe I, I think most of them are. I, I know there's probably like rights issues with some of the music and stuff because part of the big things about that show. Uh, was that they would like kind of take the music videos that were on MTV at the time and like kind of do like Beavis and ButtHead commentary over them?
1: Yeah, and that was the thing that I heard that that people were very excited that they had cleared whatever rights thing so that they were going to be okay. able to include the music video segments, uh, maybe in some of the episodes or in se- uh, certain seasons mm-hmm. or whatever. But yeah, I remember seeing like a couple headlines of people being hyped that like the streaming matrix that we all live in now like wasn't a hellscape for a second, and everyone agreed <laughs> yeah. to allow. Um, <laughs> Agreed to allow Beavis and Butthead to have uh, their their music videos. So nice. that's
0: neat. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't looked into it, but uh, I believe at least some of Beavis and Butthead's like, original run is on Paramount Plus right now. And I believe uh, this movie is supposed to like, launch into like a new Beavis and Butthead series that they're supposed to be doing. Nice. So yeah, there you go. Beavis and Butthead to the universe. It's good.
1: I like it. Um, right. what you been watching Mike so yeah I've been watching uh, recently I decided to have a little little, little um, Joseph Kaczynski uh, double double feature uh,
0: <laughs> you're hyped off of uh, Top Gun Maverick correct. and you wanted to di- dive more into the Kaczynski-verse correct
1: yeah let's see what this Kaczynski guy has been up to and yeah that's because his new movie Spiderhead just dropped on Netflix recently
0: yes this is weird because Joseph Kaczynski directed Top Gun Maverick which was supposed to come out two years ago and I guess in that span of time he also directed this movie on Netflix called Spiderhead and now they're both both coming out within, like, a month of each other.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and this uh, stars Chris Hemsworth and Miles Teller and um, Journey Smollett um, and a couple other people that I recognize, but I don't remember their names. And, uh, yeah, this is about a prison, this kind of, like, experimental prison called Spiderhead, where they're testing these sort of, um, like... Perception altering drugs and stuff like pharmaceutical stuff, you know, using the, these prisoners as test subjects to be like, right, you know, they have like a uh, ver- verbal lease or whatever, and it makes them more eloquent and speak better when they give them that first and then give them whatever they're experimenting on so that they could accurately uh, explain their feelings and all this weird you know kind of psychological stuff that's going on and and I don't know if this is I think it's pretty good I think it's it's interesting it's it's kind it's very funny also um I think we need to allow Chris Hemsworth to just be a funny guy you know like he's obviously very funny as <laughs> Thor and he's great in in uh ghostbusters and all that stuff but like just straight ahead As a, like, comedic comedic person, he's very good in this. Um, Yeah. So that's fun. And it's not playing off the, like, isn't he so hot? thing that he's doing in both thor and ghostbusters you know he's just right he's a normal dude that is very pretty to look at and also very funny um nice so yeah it's very good miles teller is really good in it so it's cool to see like oh the miles teller resurgence i guess we're getting two of his movies in in one year i guess the teller sounds the teller sounds baby and he's good and yeah it's it's fun twisty turny stuff i did see some of the some um reviews on Letterbox just say it's like yeah, you know, this is just a feature length Black Mirror episode, and like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, it is. That's that's fair. Those those episodes are already pretty long, I think, the Black Mirror right. episodes. Um, and yeah, that's probably the thing. It maybe goes on a little bit too long with Spiderhead. You know, it's like the extra twenty minutes kind of thing that makes it feel a little drawn out. But yeah, it was fine. I liked it. It's for Spiderhead. You know, it's good stuff. Okay. And then, yeah, I was kind of thinking about it, like, you know, Top Gun Maverick is like the biggest movie of the year already, I think. Um, Yeah,
0: I think the first Tom Cruise movie ever to gross a billion dollars, which is kind of crazy.
1: Insane. And I was kind of like, where did this guy come from? Joseph Kaczynski, you know? Like, what... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he, what else did he make?
0: He's been around for a while.
1: Yeah, but he hasn't really made that many movies.
0: That's true. Yeah, I think a direct three or four. Yeah, three or four movies before Top Gun Maverick. I think. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I don't really know what he did before that. But yeah, he made Tron Legacy, which was a couple, you know, ten years ago or whatever. At this point now. Yep. Um, and then somewhere in there, he also made this movie called Oblivion with Tom Cruise. And that's on uh, HBO Max right now. And I was like, you know what? I remember liking this, but I don't really remember anything about it. I'm going to rewatch it. Okay. Um, so I watched that, like rolled right into Oblivion off of Spiderhead. And yeah, Oblivion is the same thing. Also stars Andrea Riseborough, which like, what? She I didn't right. remember that at all. So that was exciting. And, and yeah, it's okay. I think, I think, it's fun, you know it's a little maybe a little too long. Uh, it might be the <laughs> might be the running the running uh, through line for uh, the Kaczynski cinematic universe um, but I think it's re- it's a cool interesting story I think the thing that Kaczynski excels at from watching these three movies I have also seen drawing Legacy but I don't really remember it a lot is this kind of just like visual flair visual style in in like a, a like set direction or like this like retro futurist aesthetic stuff because spiderhead also has some of that uh, mm. and sort of sort of oblivion and and not so much uh, top Gun obviously but th- that is the stylized thing but yeah i don't know i think that might be his uh strong suit is it like is being able to film like locations or architecture in an interesting way i don't i don't know like okay. it's a it's a weird thing to kind of like latch on a little bit but yeah you know he's he's pretty good director i guess is what I, he's all right and then he made a billion dollar <laughs> movie so good for him i hope he just yeah. retires and coasts and doesn't uh pull a trevorrow <laughs> you know
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens there. But uh, yeah, no, I I saw Oblivion in theaters and I remember thinking it looked incredible. Yeah. Like the movie looks great and I remember not liking it at all. Uh, My, (laughs) I think my, I don't remember anything about it really other than I didn't, like it um, mm-hmm. is basically all it was but I, I feel like I remember thinking it was like very derivative of other sci-fi movies yeah uh, you know where it, t- it took a lot of like twists from other things and stuff like that so I don't know maybe it's due for a rewatch uh, whatever I actually never saw Tron Legacy oh. uh, which I have heard is pretty good you know or at least or at least the soundtrack is supposed to be pretty good the Soundtrack
1: laughs 100% and yeah I've already have it on the mic make mic watch list so oh, there, you go. <laughs> there it is we just talked about it <laughs> when we talked about Top Gun fair uh, enough yeah yeah I don't know that's it yeah I think I think that's like I said Kaczynski's Strong Seed is like a visual kind of eye for set design or whatever that might be. I don't really know how to describe that. Not so much like a a kind of like cinema, like interesting camera movements. There's not really a ton of that stuff going on. But everything looks cool as fuck.
0: Okay, fair enough. All right, so that's Oblivion and Spiderhead, uh, the Kaczynski double feature that uh, Mike D went on. Yes. And I want to talk about a new movie that uh, it, I saw in theaters, but it is uh, streaming right now on Apple TV Plus if people want to check it out. And that is Cha Cha Real Smooth, which is the new movie from director Cooper Rafe, who also writes the movie and stars as the, as the main character. And thing is, Cooper Rafe previously directed a movie that I loved, uh, which was called Shithouse. And I talked about it, I think, as an honorable mention when it came out. Uh, you know, it was in my honorable mentions for that year uh, as far as the top 10 goes. Uh, I think it was like number 18 or 19 on my list or something like that. But uh, Shit House is a movie I really enjoyed. That's like before Sunrise for college kids. Mm-hmm. It starred him and it starred uh, Dylan Galula, who was the daughter on Unbreakable Kitty Schmidt. And it was just really terrific. The Cha-Cha Real Smooth uh, premiered at Sundance earlier this year. And uh, so I was pretty excited about it because it ended up becoming like a Sundance darling. Like people kept talking about it. It became like one of the most talked about movies at the festival. I saw it in theaters this uh, like two weeks ago. And uh, also really enjoyed it. I thought it was good. It's not as good as Shithouse. It it feels like a lot of the strengths of Shithouse that are like packaged into a more mainstream, like easily, like it feels like a Sundance movie when you're watching it. It feels like a Sundance indie dramedy that you've seen at Sundance kind of a million times. uh, And obviously... It worked out because uh, this ended up I, – I think Apple bought it for like $25 million or something, like wow. something insane. And so, uh, yeah, they ended up picking up the movie. But uh, this movie stars Cooper Rafe in the lead role as this like 22-year-old guy. The thing about this Cooper Rafe, he is like 24 years old. Um, wow. You know, like he's – like I think he made Shit House while he was still in college or something like that. Uh, and so – these these movies are like semi autobiographical in a way because in this movie he plays this uh, guy who just graduated college has no real direction in his life he's living at home he's working at a place called like Meat Stick uh, you know that kind of thing but he has a talent for getting a party going and so he ends up going to a couple of bar mitzvahs around town like or taking his brother to a uh, bar mitzvahs because his brother is like thirteen he's like at this age where like there's just going to be a bunch of them and uh, he ends up getting hired as like the party hype man for all these bar mitzvahs and so he gets kind of involved in that scene and his parents are played by Leslie Mann and Brad Garrett and he ends up meeting this woman played by Dakota Johnson who is this young mom She's like, so she's like 10 years older than him but she, she's like 32 uh, but she has this uh, you know daughter who is about the age of going to bar mitzvahs and stuff uh, who is autistic and so she's going through all this stuff and he ends up connecting with Dakota Johnson ends up connecting with the daughter ends up kind of getting intertwined in their lives and Dakota Johnson has a fiance. She's getting married. But now she sort of starts this like semi flirtatious relationship with Cooper Rafe and all that kind of stuff. Uh, It is a charming little indie dramedy. There's some very funny moments in it. There's some very effective moments in it. I think Dakota Johnson is really great in it, uh, actually, too. Uh, But it it does feel like, you know, just the the classic like it feels like it just kind of hits the beats of all these Sundance indie dramedies that you've seen in the last like 15, 20 years. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah, I've heard a lot about this uh, recently. I guess maybe because it hit streaming or something, um, and yeah, people have been kind of going nuts. And I wondered what the cha cha real smooth like title would be and now i understand why because it's at a bar mitzvahs, and, <laughs> and yeah it all makes sense now it's all coming together it's
0: all coming together
1: yeah
0: yeah <laughs> uh but there you go so yeah chacha Cha really smooth i enjoyed it i think it's pretty good and uh yeah it, it is in theaters or at least it was here in missoula i don't think it's playing here anymore but it is available to stream on uh, apple tv plus right now if people want to check it out
1: nice Okay, let's see what else have I got. I'll talk about uh, the staircase, but this time the HBO version.
0: All right. So last time we talked about this in discussions, uh, you were talking about the documentary series on Netflix, Correct. right?
1: Yes, yes. Uh, and HBO put out a uh, you know dramatized uh, season of it, and I don't know. If it would stand on its own, it feels really weird. I think, I mean, it is really good. I think uh, it's Colin Firth, uh, Tony Collette. Is Parker Posey in this? Parker Posey is in it, and she's amazing because uh, she's Parker Posey. Um, sure. But also, she's amazing. Uh, Faye Grimm herself. Faye Grimm, that's right. Uh, Sophie Turner is in it. Patrick Schwarzenegger, right? That's the son's name. Yes. Yeah, yeah it is. He's in it. He's pretty good. Uh, Dane DeHaan. Love when he's around and weird, uh, you know? Sure. And yeah, I don't know. So, but yeah, I think overall, it's very good. Uh, Michael Stuhlbarg is also in it, and he's great. He's the, like, defense lawyer. And yeah, it's it's very interesting and weird and I but I don't know if I hadn't just watched or wasn't familiar with the documentary if it would like stand on its own I'd be interested to hear somebody that like has only watched this version of it and not watched both because I think it it's a really interesting companion piece the way that that the show like when you get to see the decisions made between like what to include and what to exclude but also like what the documentary people left out and included like to kind of right. s- compare the, the versions and so get somewhere towards a the truth i guess maybe and also the the series obviously the series includes the fact that there is a documentary case or a documentary being made at the time so like those Guys characters in this, like the documentary filmmakers and their editor, who's played by Juliette Binoche, which is pretty cool. Uh, nice is in it, and yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, and and the cool thing I like I like about this about the the HBO version is they show Kathleen, who's the like wife that dies, played by Tony Collette. Uh, they show her die a few different ways. Like they show the like the first episode is like the whole like uh, when she dies and the beginning of the court case and Michael Peterson being arrested. And all that stuff. And the end of that episode, they show her fall and slip as if it's only an accident. Uh, and then when the guilty verdict comes, they show Michael kill her on the staircase. And then when he gets granted a retrial, they show her die in a different accidental way. And like all the like you know, they keep showing like all the different ways these things might have happened and what truth what truth means when it's you know a hundred different people talking about right. the same event and like all it's th- a Rashiman. It, basically, it's a Rashomon thing. yeah, it's pretty cool though. and and I like that a lot because obviously the documentary doesn't attempt anything quite like that at all. So yeah, that's that's the staircase on HBO and I think I think um Colin Firth is amazing in this. I think he, if you he doesn't look quite a lot like Michael Peterson, the real guy, but he has the saint, He has the voice and like speech pattern down to a T, and it's like really yeah. freaky when he's talking and doing the stuff, <laughs> and you're just like, "What? That's not the voice that comes out of Colin Firth. What's going on?" Um, right. So yeah, yeah, that's the Staircase on HBO. All right, the Staircase,
0: the uh, TV series. Is it wrapped up? Is it over yet?
1: Yes. Yeah, and it's only eight episodes. Uh, okay. So yeah, I think the documentaries 14 episodes or something like that uh, so it's like you know it's a little bit more truncated and like a little more to the point they cover a lot more grounds per I was a little nervous if it was gonna just be like the same thing but like a dramatized version <laughs> at first like because the fir- the way fir- the first episode is structured uh, right. I was like what is going on but they start you know covering different stuff so yeah There it is, HBO Max.
0: Okay, The Staircase. All right, I've got a trio of movies that I want to talk about here, a couple of older picks. First of which is a movie that uh, recently got re-released in a uh, brand new 4K version of it, which It's kind of interesting because this movie was shot, like, on video. uh, Whoa. (laughs) Talking about Boarding House again? No, we're not talking about Boarding House this time around. Actually, this time it's uh, David Lynch's Inland Empire. Oh. Which was the only David Lynch movie that I had never seen. I've now completed the filmography of David Lynch, Mike. Inland Empire uh, was one that I had wanted to see for a long time. I think, actually, I wanted to see it. uh, I want to say it was planned at, like, the Alamo Drafthouse a couple years ago, like, back when I was in New York, and I would have gone, but it was, like, a Sunday night at like eight o'clock and the album was like an hour away. So I wouldn't get back home until like midnight and I worked the next day. So yeah, what wasn't going to happen, but this time around I had the chance to go see alien empire at the Roxy theater here in Missoula, the inner the theater near my house in Missoula, Montana. And yeah, I, this is a movie that uh, I think has earned its reputation as a, uh, the most impenetrable of David Lynch's (laughs) films. Wow. Uh, Which is saying a lot, I think, uh, as far as David Lynch goes. Uh, Yeah, no, this is a really full-on David Lynch, very experimental film uh, that stars Laura Dern as this actress uh, who gets cast in a new movie that's being made, and then she discovers that the movie is actually the second attempt at filming this script. I guess, like, years ago, There was an attempt at making this like back in the 40s that ended up being like a cursed production. Mm. Uh, Like, you know, people died on set and that kind of thing, and the movie was never completed. And then history starts to repeat itself. And the first like half hour or so, I feel like I was following the story okay. And then there's like another two plus hours to go, and it just goes into some fucking insane directions. And uh, at a certain point, you kind of just let go of whatever kind of notions of story that you may have thought you had (laughs) in in Inland Empire. And I think, uh, you know, this is for like hardcore David Lynch fans only, I think, and it's only a movie you should watch after you've already watched a lot of David Lynch movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it's probably the best way to do it, because even when you watch something like Mulholland Drive, that's a movie that has like, you know, a story and an arc that you can kind of follow through and like, there's stuff you can kind of latch on to. And, uh, you know, there's surrealist elements of it for sure. But, you know, there's there's like a core to it. And I'm not sure the Inland Empire necessarily has that core outside of Laura Dern's performance, which is incredible. Like it's a it's a wild performance from Laura Dern. Uh, So, yeah, it's it's worth checking out for if you're a David Lynch fan. But I think if you if you have not watched any David Lynch movies yet, maybe watch some of the other stuff first. You know, dip dip your toe into the waters of Lynch before you dive into Inland Empire would be my recommendation.
1: Got to do some practice before you get to Inland Empire.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So uh, but I I did enjoy it. So I'm throwing it out there. Inland Empire. It's very good. Uh, Also want to recommend a movie that uh, I've been meaning to watch for a long time as well. Uh, Bought this Blu-ray a while back and then I had like a couple of hours to kill at at my house. And I was like, you know what? It's time. I'm watching River's Edge from 1986.
1: Nice. This, this uh, is almost a movie I tried to make you watch, I think, one time. Yeah, I think
0: you discovered that I had recently bought the Blu-ray at that point and uh, you know, put it on the Mike Makes Mike watch list, and uh, I don't remember what I chose instead. It might have been Trespass. Maybe, I don't um, remember. I it was something along those lines. But uh, River's Edge, directed by Tim Hunter, who has gone on to be uh, kind of a major director in TV. He did a lot of *Boardwalk Empire episodes and stuff like that. Uh, I think he did some Game of Thrones as well. And this is a... Murder. It's a dark comedy murder mystery 1986 movie starring Crispin Glover, Keanu Reeves, Ione Sky from Say Anything. Dennis Hopper is in this movie as well. It's a pretty incredible, like early 80s cast uh, or mid 80s cast, I guess. Um, But It's kind of billed as like an anti-John Hughes movie. Um, That's sort of how it was advertised as when it was (laughs) was coming out. You know, being 1986, like the year after Breakfast Club came out. And this movie essentially opens with a murder of this girl who was in this pretty tight-knit group of friends. And one of the other friends... Committed the murder, and he's very open about it. He like it, like the movie starts, and he like tells his friends, "Hey, I killed her last night," and and ev- and everybody reacts to it in different ways. <laughs> you know, some some people are like, "Oh yeah, haha, ha, very funny, man," and then they all go see the dead body, and they're like, "Oh shit, he actually he actually did kill her." And then a few of them are like, "We gotta go tell the police," and the other ones like, "No, yeah, you know, we're still we're all still a close knit group of friends. We gotta protect him and all that kind of stuff." Crispin Glover, absolutely insane in this movie, wow. just like a, a completely bonkers Crispin Glover performance. Uh, which is the case from both Crispin Glover performances but he's he's like truly wild in this and you got a very early Keanu Reeves here this is pre-Bill and Ted Keanu Reeves so he's pretty and he's like kind of like this wide-eyed sort of innocent guy where he's like he goes along Crispin Glover is the guy who's like really trying to cover up the murder like just help out his friend and Keanu Reeves is like kind of going along with it but like is clearly uncomfortable with the whole thing and like kind of removes himself from the situation after a little bit and all that kind of stuff uh Dennis Hopper plays like this uh drug dealer they all go to and it's a pretty great time so River's Edge thats a very darkly funny movie it's also like kind of I I think an interesting glimpse in like the other side of like what the 80s was like if you look if you like John Hughes movies and teenagers and stuff uh I think the way it kind of depicts teenagers uh being affected by something is really interesting
1: that sounds real real interesting and intense I don't I don't I don't think I've ever heard of this, besides uh, seeing you have posted that picture of the (laughs) Blu-ray when I tried to make you watch it that one time.
0: And seeing that Crispin Glover and Keanu Reeves were in it, right? (laughs) Yeah, and I was like, to end
1: it as Hopper? Mike's got to tell me about this movie. Um, Yeah. That sounds pretty cool. Okay, I'll talk about uh, the big thing that came out this weekend. Okay. And that is the final two episodes of season four of Stranger Things.
0: All right, before you talk about them, no spoilers. No spoilers. because I have not watched these two episodes. I've also not watched the last two episodes of the previous seven episodes of okay, Stranger okay, Things. Okay. I'm still catching up.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This feels like a really weird structure split thing. Like, I don't know why they did this other than you gotta build hype, I guess. And then also there was the stuff with the Duffer Brothers where like, yeah, we uploaded it to Netflix 24 hours ago. Like, it wasn't finished yet already. Um, right. Something like that. And fuck that. That's bullshit. Whatever that happened. Um, but anyway, this season of Stranger Things, we talked about last time is i am enjoying it a lot i liked it a lot more than season i rem, a lot more than i remember liking season three season three is really something i haven't thought about at all other than the times they show flashbacks in season four and you're like right. oh yeah <laughs> like
0: that's right whereas me season three was my favorite season of the show exactly. uh, up to this point
1: yeah <laughs> although i'm also
0: i think season four is probably my favorite right now like i, I like as far as just uh I, I'm only five episodes in, but I've really enjoyed what I've seen so far.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's really good. And yeah, they put the last two the last two episodes out th- on uh, Friday, so I got the chance to watch them both yesterday uh, on Saturday, and they're really good. I think I think we talked about this too. This season so far has been a lot darker and grittier and like more violent and stuff, or like explicitly violent. I think it's always had that kind of you know dark Spielberg stuff going on, you know the kind of like kids right. in peril stuff, uh, but this time it feels like pretty intense and serious and. and And it's a lot more stylized than I remember the other seasons being at at least, you know, a lot more weird Dutch Angle shit and Sam Raimi, Nightmare on Elm Street kind of things, Wes Craven (laughs) style stuff going on. Uh, So that's a lot of fun. I enjoy that. And that continues in the last two episodes. Uh, So really enjoying that. And I think the thing, the biggest compliment I can give this season is the way it manages to juggle the storylines because there's like three, I guess, main Groups going on. There's like the kids in Hawkins, the kids in California, and then Hopper, right? And uh, in Russia and all that stuff. Right. And the way that it kind of balances the three of those, and you never really feel like one is getting underserved, or the relations to each other doesn't feel confusing. When you think about stuff, it's nowhere near as complex as like Game of Thrones. But by the end of those show, that show, and that's those later seasons, you're just like, where the fuck are these people, right? You're just like, <laughs> how are you traveling this far in this short amount of time? Like, what is going on? Um, yeah, and. None of that that really seeps into this show, uh, this season where it's got three distinct locations and places and times and stuff. And everybody kind of feels you understand everybody's relation to each other and and uh, all that stuff. So, yeah, I really enjoy the way that the show is able to balance all that uh, and make those three plot lines kind of feel satisfying. So, yeah, I really, really dug those last two episodes also. And I think it ends on a real cool cliffhanger, uh, of course, for season five. So that'll be sure. That'll be fun. And it's it, it's kind of funny when you're watching the last episode because it's the last episode, I think, is two and a half hours long or something. Yeah. episode eight seven I don't, whatever this is the first one the first of part two <laughs> game is uh, I think 90 minutes and the second one is over two hours but the second episode like has a couple moments where you're like wow this is an amazing cliffhanger wait there's another hour and then you're like wow this is an amazing clip and then it keeps doing it a couple times um so it's pretty funny but but it does end on like a very satisfying note cliffhanger for the next season uh, so I'm excited. Got me hyped up for Stranger Things 5, whenever that comes out.
0: Nice. I, I have not seen any spoilers for these last two episodes, uh, which is actually a pretty impressive feat on my part, <laughs> I
1: think. I, yes. I am shocked that it's not full. Twitter isn't just full of people like, oh, my God. But people have been kind of cool <laughs> about it so far for uh, the 48 the hours.
0: I, I, yes. I know my girlfriend has seen a few spoilers here and there, but, uh, you know, I, I have managed to avoid it. She hasn't told me anything. But I did see one person say that, like, if the Stranger Things finale had played in theaters, it would have gotten, like, endgame style reactions like during certain scenes uh, uh which, okay all
1: right but yeah it does have that, some pretty huge moments but that's okay. that seems like a or that seems like a stretch <laughs> all
0: right well, we'll see what happens i mean i mean I'll, I'll hopefully see it soon again i have uh the last two episodes of the first part still watch and then so i got i got four episodes left basically and mm. yeah I'm, but uh yeah i've been really enjoying this season of stranger things uh, and hope to watch those pretty soon is that the uh, the end of your list mike is that all you got
1: uh, i got one more thing Um, Okay. And that's uh, a movie I hadn't, I saw for the first time last night where I was kind of like, I knew we were doing discussions. I needed one more. I was like, let me get one more thing. Just to balance it out a little bit. Yeah, let me see what else I can watch (laughs) because I've been, I can only talk about Alone for so much. Uh, You know, I watched three seasons of that. So that's been taking up a lot of my time. And then I was like, let me go on Shutter. Let me see what we got. And they had right there on the the homepage uh, this movie. It was 10 p.m. This movie is 90 minutes. And I was like, I know it's a horror comedy. 90 minutes. Perfect. I hit play on The Return of the Living Dead. And Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, man, this movie fucking rocks. I had so much fun with this. Uh, I can't imagine. I know you just saw it recently for the first time in a theater, I think, right? Uh,
0: Well, I had had seen it once before. Okay. Um, So I was watching it for the second time, but yeah, I watched it uh, at Trash Talk at the Roxy Theater, the inner theater in my house, Missoula, Montana. This was back in October and it was a mystery screening. Oh. So I I knew going in like what it was because I know the Trash Talk people and stuff and I was working at the theater at the time and all that, but the audience did not know what the movie was going to be. And so it was pretty great to watch. It and it was a completely sold out crowd like completely packed and as soon as the movie started and i think it, it was just like the date that comes up on screen like yeah people in the crowd were like yeah like people were cheering like they knew what it was right away that's awesome Like uh, before the title even comes up which is pretty great yeah and i
1: love it starts with the the kind of like cheeky like this this story or this film is based on real events uh the the names or, uh, you know, like the, it, it inverts the, like the names and places have all been changed. Did you just say, like, are all exactly the same or whatever? Uh, <laughs> like, yes, good. And then it popped up, you know, like July 3rd, uh, 5 p.m. Eastern Time or whatever. And I was like, oh shit. Right. I had no idea this was a 4th of July thing. There you go. And they mentioned it a couple times in the movie. And yeah, this is a little, little horror comedy where um, the zombies from Night of the Living Dead have been accidentally shipped to the UNITA medical supply warehouse which is wonderful and of course the, the klutzes that are working there that night accidentally release the gas that are in the barrels with the zombies and the the cemetery next door starts to turn undead and that's that's it now we got a bunch of like 80s punks hanging out trying to party in the cemetery and they start getting attacked and the mortuary guy and all that stuff who's like a Nazi I don't know that was weird Uh <laughs> this movie has just so much stuff going on and it's so stylized and fun and and i and it's crazy to think that the like the zombies saying brains is from this uh it's from this from yeah. this movie that's crazy um and yeah i know there's a whole bunch of other i think there's like three or four of these movies right in this franchise but anyway yeah the, the first one it was fun never seen it before and i had a good time a little, little nice. 90 minute horror comedy goopy zombie romp you know there you
0: go so that's return of the living dead which uh, you said that was on shutter
1: yes that's on shutter right now and i think one of my favorite things about this and I haven't seen at Living Dead in a long time but like the like competent zombie I feel like needs to make a resurgence. Like these zombies use tools and talk and do yeah. that stuff. And there's the favorite recurring bit in this movie is like, they call an ambulance for the normal people that got hurt. The zombies attack them and eat, eat the the paramedics. And then they get on the radio and they're just like, send more paramedics. Uh, and then the next ambulance comes and they keep doing that. And then the cops come and they're like, send more cops. And they keep, it's yes. like, hilarious. That's so funny. Um <laughs> Uh so yeah I, I hope I hope the talking zombies that can use tools to come back you know
0: Absolutely <laughs> All right, so that's Return of the Living Dead. And then uh, I want to give a quick shout out to a movie that I went to go see at the Roxy Theater this past week, uh, which is Fantastic Planets uh, from oh. 1973, directed by René Laloux, which I believe is a Criterion Blu-ray yes. uh, if people want to check it out that way. Is this part of the um, uh,
1: the adult animation thing they got going there?
0: It is, yes. The Roxy recently started their uh, Persistence in Vision series, uh, which is kind of showcasing a different uh, animation for adults film every month. So last month they showed Red Line. Uh, they're going to be showing Mad God in July, the uh, movie on Shudder, uh, which I've heard great things about we'll be talking about next week but uh this past month they showed fantastic Planet, uh which i had never seen so i went to go see it this is a french animated movie from 1973 that is a very heady sci-fi film in which it takes place on this fantastic planet whoa Uh, (laughs) and then maybe mikey discover that planet might not be so fantastic Mm,
1: maybe (laughs) hidden underneath the surface exactly
0: uh but anyway what what the movie's opening sequence, I think, is actually really incredible um, because it shows this uh, this woman and her baby, and they're just kind of trying to make their way across this, like, kind of barren landscape, and she starts running up this hill, and this giant blue finger knocks her back down, and then she starts running up the hill again, and this giant blue finger knocks her back down, and she starts running up, and this blue finger knocks her back down, uh, and then she gets crushed by this blue finger, and the baby is just kind of left, like, alone, and you see, like, and then it kind of shifts perspective, and you see these two blue beings um, that are kind of watching it, and And it very much parallels, like, humans watching ants on, like, an anthill or something, right? Right. And they end up taking the baby back home and, uh, you know, end up kind of treating it as a pet, like, bringing it back for, like, the youngest daughter. And and it ends up becoming this, like, parallel for how humans treat animals, like, you know, animal rights and that kind of thing, and, you know, how – the, the relationship between humans and pets, but it, now it's like aliens like and it's humans are like the pets to these gigantic alien creatures. And then about halfway through the movie, uh, this baby that has now grown up a little bit like, escapes And ends up kind of falling into this uh, this tribe of other escaped humans that like kind of live in their own society uh, and are starting like a revolution against these gigantic blue alien creatures. Uh, It's pretty great. Uh, Some really heady sci-fi concepts there, and also this movie visually like looks incredible. So yeah, it's it's worth checking out. Fantastic Planet.
1: Nice. Yeah, I've never seen this, but I've seen stuff about it. I guess I don't like I'm like vaguely familiar sort of with the plot and like the cultural impact and all that stuff. It isn't like yeah. something about language or history involved or something like that. Maybe not. Yeah. That's, that's an aspect of it for sure too. Yeah. Neat, I guess is all, <laughs> is all I'll say without <laughs> having seen it. Uh, but yeah, nice.
0: Yes. Yeah. It's very good. So uh, yeah, definitely recommend it's also 72 minutes. What? Uh, so yeah, it's a short time. It's, so it's the
1: new chopping wall cut. It's the short. They,
0: <laughs> I, I think when we were, uh, we were debating about going to see that or going to see Elvis uh, on the night that it was playing. Yeah. And uh, I was like, you know, we could watch Fantastic Planet two and a half times in the. St- <laughs> in the st- in the span that it takes to watch Elvis, uh, which we did end up seeing Elvis a couple of days later, but uh, yeah, Fantastic Planet was one night only, so we figured we should go do it. Uh, sold out, too. It was packed wow. uh, in that theater, which was pretty incredible to see. Um, but yeah, Fantastic Planet's very good, and then I also wanted to uh, throw out there a few TV things. Last time we did discussions, I talked about Obi-Wan Kenobi, the uh, new Star Wars TV show on Disney+, Plus, of course, with Ewan McGregor back as Obi-Wan. I think at the time, I had watched the first three episodes. Uh, like that. So it was like halfway through the show. Now the show is finished. All six episodes have aired, Uh, and at the time I feel like I was like pretty cautiously optimistic on the show. I really enjoyed the first two episodes and that the third one was like, okay. And now that the show is over, it was all right. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I had an okay enough time, I guess. I, I feel like the show really lost me like halfway through. Uh, and it never really fully recovered. I think there are moments in the last couple of episodes that, like, are pretty good, and I think Ewan McGregor is good throughout the whole series. Like, it's good to see him back as Obi-Wan, but, I don't know, it falls prey to a lot of the problems that the other Star Wars Disney stuff has had, where, you know, they're just really obsessed with uh, de-aging certain actors and characters. This time around, they de-age Hayden Christensen to show you, like, a scene from episode, like, an outtake from episode two kind of thing, Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing, which is, like, in theory, kind of a fun idea, but it it just kind of plays really weird. And, you know, I I think it's just very much focused on like showing you how things got to where they are And this, like there's an origin for Leia's blaster holster uh, in this, which is just like, yeah, it's, it's weird. It's a weird, (laughs) it's a weird choice, you know, and it, this, this show kind of does a lot to like show you like, oh, Obi-Wan and Leia actually had like a little bit of a relationship like before, like, you know, you know, they, they like knew each other as well. Mm-hmm, I mean. Like they mm-hmm. weren't, you know, that kind of thing. Like they knew each other. They had like a pretty intense connection and, uh, you know, they had this whole thing. And then you watch episode four when you watch Star Wars, there's not really much in that movie to like suggest that. But I mean, she knows, she knows who Obi-Wan is, obviously she gave, like right. she threw out the message and she like seems to react when it's like, oh, Ben Kenobi, where is he? That kind of thing. Right. And so, you know, I, I think you could say that they knew each other, but I, it's never mentioned outside of the show. So it's just a weird it's it's a weird thing the show does. But, yeah, and i'll I'll throw in a few spoilers here. Uh, there is a, uh, a there was a much hyped cameo that pops up at the end of episode six. Which is Liam Neeson as Qui Gon Jinn. Oh. Uh, Yeah. So, uh, you know, at the end of episode three, they kind of like show you, like, in Revenge of the Sith, they say, like, you know, they kind of throw out this tease out there, like, oh, maybe you could try to communicate with your old master, Qui Gon Jinn or whatever, like, through Force Ghost technology and stuff. And then, like, when the show starts, like, you see him kind of trying to connect with Qui Gon and not really getting there. And then at the end of episode six, he finally sees Qui-Gon uh, and it's like a very quick cameo and then they just kind of move on from it. It's like, <laughs> it just feels like, and it's very, like it's a force ghost. Ne- they never share the screen together. Mm. Um, so it's just like, it very much feels like they shot. They could have shot at like Liam Neeson's house or something, yeah. and like just placed him in there. Or whatever it is, it just feels very like wonky. And I think you know, for all the money that they're spending on a lot of these shows and movies, like a, like a lot of these Disney Star Wars and Disney Marvel stuff is starting to feel really cheap. And I think that's that's pretty on display for Obi Wan. Like I'm not sure exactly what it is. It just feels cheap.
1: That's <laughs> you know? fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I don't really feel the the need or urge to watch this, even though it's only six episodes, and I probably watched it in a day. Um, right but yeah just like whatever you know, which is unfortunate. Yeah, I,
0: I think it's, I think it's definitely skippable. You know, it's, it's not something that uh, you, just, you necessarily need to watch. I think there are moments in it that I liked and I, I think it has a good start, but uh, yeah, Obi-Wan Kenobi overall, I think it was better than book of Boba Fett or at least I think it was better than the first four episodes of book of Boba Fett. Cause like I've said before, the Mandalorian episodes of that show are pretty good. Like when, I, yeah, <laughs> when it just shifts perspective and becomes the Mandalorian, that's good stuff. I was kind of hoping that would happen this time around.
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's just, he Mandalorian's actually like the secret heart of the Star Wars universe
0: <laughs> just anytime any disney star wars show isn't working uh bring in the main the lord in for a episodes. because yeah. <laughs> that show is pretty good that's a good show um but yeah obi-wan kenobi kind of a disappointment uh but it was nice to see you McGregor again so who knows maybe maybe if they do a season two it'll be better who, who's to say but i do want to talk about a disney plus show that i am really enjoying uh this one's a marvel show and that is miss marvel which this is four episodes in this is also going to be six episodes so I feel more confident in saying like hey you should probably watch this one this is very good I like to miss Mar- I'm liking miss Marvel a lot uh, it has like just this, this energy to it that uh, the other shows don't really have uh, are you familiar with Kamala Khan at all Mike uh, as a character of miss Marvel
1: not particularly I'm aware that she exists but I don't really know her relation to anybody else in the Marvel universe and stuff
0: okay yeah she, she was pretty immediately a very popular character when she was introduced uh, and, and she's a relatively new one too she's like from 2014 Mm. Uh, or something like that. But uh, essentially, Kamala Khan, a.k.a. Miss Marvel, is a Pakistani-American teenager who lives in New Jersey. And so it's very much kind of tapping into that like Spider-Man high school experience kind of thing with the character, um, but from a whole different uh, diverse perspective, right? And so you're getting like, a, a lot of it is about her family and her history with Pakistan mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So that's a pretty interesting like angle to the character as well. And I feel, I feel like they've translated that really well into this TV show, which is like, I mean, the last episode actually takes place in they go back and like they're yeah. like with her family and all that kind of stuff and the thing about her character is she's also like a teenage girl who's a huge fangirl for the avengers specifically for captain marvel and so, you know, she's a huge, huge fan of Captain Marvel. And this first episode of the show, uh, she's going to the first ever Avengers Con, where she's like trying to enter a cosplay contest at where she is dressed up as Captain Marvel. And so, what's really interesting about it is that it's a movie that is, it's a show that is heavily steeped into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It references a lot of stuff, uh, obviously, but it's also, I think, a perfect entry point into the MCU if you're like, if you haven't watched like anything, because it kind of puts you into the perspective of somebody who is just a really big fan of all this kind of stuff. Interesting. That's a pretty cool uh, aspect to it too and this show has like a really fun visual style to kind of reflect its character where there's you know scrawlings on the screen that'll pop up and you'll see like text messages and stuff like that to kind of pop on the screen Uh, there's just different camera movements that uh, this show has that uh, isn't really present in other Marvel things so yeah Miss Marvel uh, it's four episodes into a six episode run I know the character and by the way Iman Vellani who plays Kamala Khan is really terrific in it too uh, which helps out a lot Uh, I know she's going to appear in the next Captain Marvel movie she's in uh, the Marvel Nice. Uh, so I, th- I know they're kind of setting her up for that but right now it's a pretty standalone show that happens to heavily reference everything else in the Marvel Universe which is a pretty funny thing so yeah I, I think uh, you know I know you burned out a lot of Marvel stuff Mike uh, I think this is a show that you would probably enjoy
1: okay that's pretty cool yeah I mean it sounds like a pretty different take or, or whatever on the M- MCU so that's pretty cool yeah I, I wasn't particularly interested in it at all. So maybe I'll have to wait till it's finished and then just watch all of it <laughs> in a day and see, and see how it goes, you know? Yeah,
0: it's def- definitely worth checking out. I mean, if you have friends who uh, have been watching it, you know, talk to them and see what they think too. But uh, yeah, it's, it's good stuff. I'm really enjoying it. I think it, it has much more creativity and like, you know, just more like passion behind it, I think, than a lot of, like, and I've mostly enjoyed the Marvel Disney Plus stuff, which is the thing. Uh, I think I was just really burned on Moon Knight where I was like, ah, this is really boring. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which I don't, you, you didn't watch Moon Knight, right?
1: No, no, I didn't watch any yeah, of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it's, uh, again, it's one of those things where, like, there's elements of this that I liked, but overall, like, it was kind of like – it felt a lot like the Obi-Wan Kenobi show to me. <laughs> should, should have been Mandalorian. <laughs> should have been – yeah, Mandalorian should have shown up in Moon Knight. That would have been great. Uh, <laughs> would have been very good. But, yeah, Miss Marvel is uh, is very good, so I recommend on that. And then also a couple of quick TV shows here. Uh, I just finished uh, both seasons of Dead to Me on Netflix. Uh, with uh, Christina Applegate and Linda Cardellini, uh, which uh, is scheduled to have its third and final season, I believe, later this year. And this is a really terrific show. I'm glad I finally watched it. Uh, it was actually my girlfriend who wanted to start watching it, so we started watching it. But uh, yeah, this show uh, stars Christina Applegate as this woman whose husband recently died. And so it starts off with her kind of in this support group. And when in this group, she meets uh, Linda Cardellini's character. And I'm going to reveal what Happens in the first couple episodes of the show, um, just because that's like part of like the larger overall story. Mm -hmm. But it's very quickly revealed, I believe at the end of the first episode, maybe the second one, uh, that Linda Cardellini is actually the one who killed her husband. And but but they like develop a friendship together and like she doesn't know that Linda Cardellini killed her husband. Right. Yeah. And so and so they end up like becoming really close friends and all that kind of stuff. So it is a very dark comedy. Uh, there's some really funny stuff that happens throughout the show. And then it also gets very, very intense at other points. Uh, you know, so Dead to Me uh, is very good. James Marsden is also in the show and uh, he pops up both seasons and he's very good. Uh, so, yeah, I, I've seen the first two seasons. I've seen everything that there is on Netflix right now. Um, but there is a third season coming out. I'm not sure exactly when.
1: Nice. Yeah, I think I've heard of this, uh, and I, but I don't really remember anything about it in that Netflix deluge kind of way where like, this just kind of got washed away and I haven't heard about it ever again. <laughs>
0: yes, uh, definitely. I mean, that's kind of how I felt about it too, but it is very good, so I uh, recommend checking that out. And then also, uh, I've only seen one episode of this show so far, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway uh, because the new season just premiered and uh, I feel like it's one I'm going to really enjoy based on what I saw the first episode, and that is uh, Only Murders in the Building, which is a show on Hulu, uh, also kind of a dark Comedy series uh, starring Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez. Second season just premiered. I watched the first episode of the first season and uh, really enjoyed it. But uh, this is a show in which Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez—people uh, living in the same apartment building—who uh, there's a murder in the building, and all three of them happen to be very obsessed with true crime podcasts. Like that's the, like the thing that they like all kind of bond over. They all discover that they all love these like true crime podcasts. And then when this murder happens in the building, they take it upon themselves to start investigating uh, what <laughs> happened here. <laughs> Amazing, you know. And it's Steve Martin, Martin Short who are always funny and they're great. Uh, and there's a lot of very funny moments in that first episode. Uh, there's also like a real kind of dark emotional core to it too. Uh, and then Selena Gomez is like keeping right up with them. Like she's like right like right there with Steve Martin and Martin Short uh, is doing a really great job. So uh, yeah, only murders in the building. Again, I've only seen the first episode uh, and I'm gonna be watching more of it soon. But uh, yeah, it's a very good show.
1: Nice. Yeah, I've heard about this one also, and I don't know. I heard. I heard. I've heard mostly very good things, but like my one or two of my friends watched it and were like, no, I don't know. Really? I was like, okay, whatever. And I just kind of lost, like uh, gave up on it or yeah, I didn't watch any of it. uh, Basically. Yeah. Interesting that you also, that you really enjoy it. Uh, So I probably would enjoy it also if I watched it, but let me know, check back in like a Sopranos watch. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Maybe I'll give it a shot.
0: Yes. I mean, my Sopranos watch took me like a year and a half. I started the X-Files too, uh, because if you recall, I put out like a Twitter poll, a a while back saying like, oh, now that I finished Sopranos, what's my next like show going to be? Uh, and the X-Files ended up winning. Uh, and I've watched the first like two episodes of the X-Files uh, and enjoyed them. But I have not like watched any anymore. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's been a while. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to get I'm going to get into it. You know, it's it's one of those things where I feel like I need like some extra time in my hands and then I got to get like mm-hmm. dive into the X-Files, you know? <laughs> yes. Reasonable. Um, but there you go. So I believe uh, that's going to wrap things up. Well, actually, quick shout out to uh, to the after party, uh, which I talked about a while back in this podcast, but recently finished that show. Uh, and that show is incredible. Mike, you got to watch it right away. Nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, really fun, like twisty murder mystery comedy. Uh, a lot of murder mystery comedy is happening in this, in this, uh, TV, uh, uh, segment
1: actually thanks knives out
0: <laughs> yes absolutely which uh glass onion coming out this year very excited Can't about wait. It. but all right yeah the after party it's it's great high recommend um all right there you go so i think that's gonna wrap things up for today mike
1: yes that's all the things
0: all right so uh mike where can we find you online this week
1: you can find me at md film blog on twitter and letterboxd and if you'd like to donate to support the show you can do that at our ko-fi page which is ko slash mike and mike pods plural because we have two podcasts
0: yes we do And you can find me online it's a m smith film blog on twitter mike smith film on letterboxd and radio mike sandwich instagram uh thanks for listening to mike Mike go to the movies i'm mike smith that's mike Show. don't forget to rate and review the show on apple podcasts or any other podcast app and if you want to contact us you can tweet at us at mike and mike pod you can find the rest of our podcast on rapture press alongside many other podcasts but all kinds of comic books movie news and all that good stuff uh, next week we'll be talking to returning guest benjamin alaco uh who recently published a new book is that right mike
1: yes yeah he uh, his novel was published uh Mr Ugly and it's available on uh Amazon right now and uh yeah that was I, that was what they put last podcast no last year's podcast uh last year's horror there we go woof man
0: <laughs> you were such a big fan of that podcast you can't even remember what I it was, was called <laughs> I
1: immediately thought last podcast on the left and uh, was like no that's wrong and then I, every everything left uh <laughs> Last year's horror uh, was the podcast they put on hiatus uh, so that they could, uh, so Ben could write this book. And yes, here it is. Now it's out.
0: All right, Mister Ugly is the name of the book, and uh, we'll be talking to Ben about it. And he'll also be making us watch Mad God on Shudder, which I'm very excited to see.
1: Yes, yeah. I'm excited for that episode.
0: Yes. Have you watched it yet, Mike? I know you watched it the first like 40 minutes a while back.
1: Yeah. Uh, no, I haven't watched it. I, I figured, let me wait till we get closer so everything will be nice and fresh. Uh, but okay. yeah, I watched the first half before I got distracted and pulled away by my other by some friends. But it was f- fucking real good. It's real weird. Real real All gross. Right. Can't wait.
0: Nice. Awesome. All right. Mad God next week with Benjamin Alako. And in the meantime, the complete works is uh probably not reviewing Thor Love and Thunder next week. Uh Whoops. because we are hearing that Jeff Goldblum's scene was cut from Thor 4.
1: <laughs> Record scratch freeze frame.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, so that is a little bit of a twist. We'll probably end up talking about it on the podcast uh pretty soon. I don't know if Mike will be on that episode or not. He's pretty busy over the next couple of weeks, but uh I it, nevertheless, there will be Thor talk at some point.
1: Somebody will be talking, Thor.
0: Exactly. Um, But we're still gearing up for season three with the focus on Michelle Yeoh in August. So uh, make sure to uh, check that out, subscribe, do all that stuff. Maybe we'll put out like a bonus episode of Complete Works uh, once I for sure know that he's not in Thor 4. (laughs) Yes. Because I'll be seeing it on Thursday, you know, and so I'll I'll know with my own two eyes. And then we can put out like a bonus like, hey, just a heads up, he's not in Thor 4. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, we could talk about what his scene probably was uh, there you go but all right so that's going to be happening next week mad guy with Ben and that's the end of this week's episode of Mike and Mike Go to the movies we'll see you on the other side <laughs> <laughs> it's like that early it's like that early morning thing where like yeah. your throat feel, still feels like kind of like it needs water but if you drink water it doesn't help
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know so i constantly have to clear your throat for no reason. <clears throat> exactly
0: yep <clears throat> all right all right it's time for some discussions here on am mike ah, see there it is kyle's gonna have a lot of fun editing this episode oh, like yeah.
1: <laughs> i think you should put all of these at the end kyle <laughs> just all just all the coughs and, and grunt
0: <laughs> just like a, a counter every time i like clear my throat <laughs>
1: It's just the last five minutes of the podcast. (laughs) Uh. All right, here we go.